0: Well, today I'm speaking on Psalm 23, so I thought it was only appropriate to find some sheep jokes. So these are sheep jokes. What is a sheep's favorite newspaper? The Wall Street Journal. Oh, they get worse. How do sheep in Mexico say Merry Christmas? Fleece, fleece, Navidad. Some of you got that. <clears throat> what do you call a dancing sheep? A ballerina. You guessed it. Good. You want a new car, by the way. And I cannot back that up. What kind of expensive sports car does a sheep drive? Wow. A Lamborghini. Yes, you did good. I am educating you to, the, to raising the level of dad jokes around here. And what do you get when you cross a sheep with a porcupine? This is the last one. You get an animal that can knit its own sweater. <laughs> That's end time stuff there, sheep and, <laughs> sheep and porcupines. I am speaking today on the 23rd Psalm because I got to pick what I wanted to preach on, and I love the 23rd Psalm. Uh, you may have memorized this as a kid growing up. If you grew up in the church, your first thoughts may be a, a graveside because it gets read so many times in those type settings. But I'm, I'm asking you not to let it be so familiar that you don't dig deep with me. And let's find some real nuggets of meaning in this. God can do all things, right? Amen. Wrong. No, I set you up on that one. <laughs> There's one thing God cannot do, and that is love you more. Turn to someone around you and say, God cannot love you more. Those are always awkward, I know. I hate doing them, but I had to. Now, this is the hard one. Point to yourself. Say, God cannot love me more. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. This psalm was written by David later in his life, and it was wrung out of his life experiences. That's why I love it so much. And the lens that he had, even older in his life, and he had been king, was that of when he was a shepherd, the intimacy that he felt in his heart toward God. So here's David, a shepherd boy who became the great king of Israel, relating to the king of kings as a shepherd. Let's read this together. And I want you to read this as a faith declaration. Accent the eyes the and the eyes. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that promise that you will follow us every day of our lives. And and we will ultimately dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So be with us now as we open up your word, Lord. Feed each one in a way that they've they've never received from this beautiful poem. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Once I took this whole thing on, I realized that you could really just preach a whole sermon off the first five words, right? <laughs> I mean, the Lord, Lord God Almighty, creator of everything, who was and is and is to come. He is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. And the God who is beyond all comprehension is, the Lord is. Now, he was in the Old Testament, and he was to David, but this is an action verb. He was in the New Testament. He was to the first century Christians, but here today, he is my. He was David's, yes. He was everyone in the Bibles, and he's yours, but the Lord is my shepherd. The God of all creation wants to have that intimate relationship with me as a shepherd. Now, Psalm 23 is not messianic on its own, but as you know, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so, Jesus knew this, and so I'm going to preach just as much on John 10 as I do Psalm 23 today. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This first verse is simple, but it's about provision. He's assured David that he will not want or lack. I don't prefer the word want because we tend to, you know, Santa, what do you want for Christmas? He's not going to give you everything you want because you apparently want a Lamborghini. (laughs) 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 But he will not let you lack. And that's what David knew. He lived his life passionately. That's why I love David so much. I mean, I'm I'm a creative guy. And David lived with passion. I mean, his highs were the highest in town and his lows were the lowest. And he had seen both. 1 Samuel 17, as a boy shepherd, he killed Goliath as thousands of trained soldiers in their armor just stood there and watched because they couldn't figure out how to do it because God was not giving them the way to do it. But God gave David the way, and it didn't look like anybody else. That was a great victory. And then when he was twenty, when he was 30 years old, 2 Samuel 5, he was made king, and he succeeded for 40 years in ways that are just unimaginable, the kingdom that was built. But also, he suffered great heartbreak and failure. 2 Samuel 12, he lost a child at birth, the one that he had uh, the first child with Bathsheba. Second Samuel 15, his own son Absalom conspired against him and removed him as king and even chased him to try to kill him. And then, like I said, he had a tremendous moral failure with Bathsheba and even orchestrated the battle killing of her husband Uriah. Yet at the end of it all, David still knows the Lord God Jehovah to be his loving, caring, and protective shepherd. That's what he wants to be to us. Read with me now. This is John 10, 1 through 4. These are the words of Jesus. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Or is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. That's key. And he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow, for they know his voice. They know his voice. You know, in this time, um, there wasn't as much, I'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, you would have different shepherds and, and different patches and different water. They would They would intermingle, and there would be times that they would you know, put all a bunch of sheep in a a section together for safety for the night. And they didn't worry about that because the sheep knew their shepherd's voice. And that's what I'm preaching about today. What voice is guiding you? Is it the master's voice, the shepherd? Or are you hearing your own voice? Or are you hearing the voice of society? Pastor J.D. talked about that. I believe too many people listening to the voice of culture and not listening to God. But we must learn his voice. All other voices, Jesus says, are thieves and robbers, and they will betray us. And he says, I will not lack. I prefer that word from one. He only wants the best for you. David knew this at this point in his life. Things won't always be perfect, but he knows that God will never let us lack what we need because he is the good shepherd. Verse 2 talks about still waters. Two phrases I really want to look at. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and then he leads me beside still waters. God wants to give us rest. I must be good at preaching about rest, because Casey's already sleeping. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) No. (laughs) There's a pattern here, Casey. I, I I have to pick on you every sermon that I preach. You're just so fun, and uh, but you get you dish it back. I know. <laughs> now the you see the um, the slides that I have here. They're probably actually from the Scottish Highlands. I can't back up that they are from Israel, uh, but this picture of green pastures that we have from a historical setting, we need to know that 70% of Palestine is desert and the green pastures refer primarily to the mountain that's faced off on the Mediterranean that get the moisture from the water So there are two rainy seasons in Israel and otherwise there's drought and dryness So the kind of Shepherd that David and Jesus is talking about is not one that just you know There's just green and water everywhere and they just kind of basically phoning it in No, they had to know what they were doing they had to prepare uh, and know the places where there was water and where there would be grass. So they're bringing their herd out of dryness, out of drought, out of exhaustion, and into renewal and new life and hope. That's what we mean with the green pastures. He makes me to lie down. How many of you have little kids? Little grandkids? When they're toddlers particularly if Pop Pop is over visiting. They don't want to take a nap because Poppy's fun. But they have to, right? They will go and go and go, and then you don't hear them, and you look, and they're drooling on the carpet because they just collapsed, right? (laughs) But what I have done before, I did this recently. My little grandson just put him in the bed, and I just put my hand on him and just patted him. And in no time, because he knew I was with him, he went right to sleep. I'm glad that we grow out of that as children, right? Because we would never go beyond what we can go and get plenty of rest, would we? <laughs> JD's the first to laugh. Well, that would. He makes us lie down sometimes, doesn't he? There are times that he will force us to because our culture. What about this? My schedule is really strange. I, I write music deadlines. Sometimes I write until 5 in the morning. Sometimes I'm getting back up, you know, after three or four hours sleep. But every time, if somebody calls me at 5 a.m., I'm going to scramble for the phone. And I'm going to raise my voice some so it won't sound like I'm saying, hello. I'll say, hello. I've been asleep. And if they say, I'm sorry, did I wake you? What do you say? Of course not. No. No, I've already been in the word an hour, and I, <laughs> I ran seven miles, and uh, got my shower, and I'm all dressed. Had breakfast, and I'm ready to ready to go in the office. Of course, my office is down the hall, so I, you know, I'm still in pajamas writing music. Why do we do that? It's cultural, right? We live in a culture that makes rest very optional, and we are humiliated to admit that we need rest. Psalm twenty seven two says, He grants sleep to those he loves. He interrupts your expansive to-do list and makes you get rest. This happened to me a month ago. The good Lord just shut me down for three days and forced me to have rest. I learned from uh, Josh last week when he was trying to hold a microphone and gnaw the lid off, water, <laughs> I went ahead and took it on, he leads me beside the still waters, notice that word, now I saw where shepherds in Australia and New Zealand, I know a lot about Australia because I love Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> and apparently in the Outback, they live, they grow these onions and the sun deep fries them. And they burst forth with a remoulade sauce in the middle. <laughs> and the aboriginal people live on these, they call them blooming onions down under. <laughs> so that's the extent of what I know. But what they did, they do say is that the shepherds in Australia and New Zealand, much like we do with cows, they push them like a cattle drive. They get behind them and they make them go the way that they want them to go. But in Israel, they never did this. They led the sheep, not by driving them, but walking out in front of them. John 10, 4, Jesus says that he's leading us forward. You see, Jesus is already in your future. How about that? He's already in your future. He's leading us. Maybe you're fearful of your future. Maybe right now, today, you're waiting for a doctor's report next week. Or maybe there's some big decision coming that you are just powerless over, and you are in the waiting. Or maybe you've heard of layoffs at your work that that may be coming down the pike, and your focus and your attention is suddenly fixed on uncontrollable future things. Guess what? The Good Shepherd is already there. He is leading us. He has you in all of this. And he says, come unto me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will what? I will give you rest. John 10, 7 through 10 says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me or came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. Josh preached about abundance last week. Jesus is the only door if you want peace and rest. Sleep won't help. I heard this. A while back, and boy, it rings true. Sleep won't help if it's your soul that's exhausted. Have you been there before? A week's vacation is a great idea, and I'm very pro-vacation, but often it just kicks the can down the road one week, and you come back, and all the bad stuff waited for you, right? Sounds familiar. The Good Shepherd, he secures all, all of our paths and he will, he will leave the 99 to find the one that strays. Now, often, in, in time that there would be one that strays, it would typically be a very young lamb. And you'd go, he'd go get the lamb and then bring it back. And then the next night, after he had counted everyone, I had a, I had a Christmas musical years ago. We wrote a, f- a fun song about the shepherds. And they were counting sheep to stay awake rather than counting sheep to go to sleep. He had to hear it. It was, it was really good back then. <laughs> but what he will do, or she, because they have men and women as shepherds, this is not cruel, it's not out of anger, but if that little lamb that is so bold and so ignorant wanders off again, he very well may take the rod of correction and injure one of its legs. So that it can't stray off. And then he puts splint on it and takes wonderful care of it. But it is not out of anger. It's not out of punishment. It is purely out of love. And so sometimes God has to do that to us, right? Has to break our rhythm. Uh, and That's help, helping us to survive. Verse 3, the paths. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, this is the pivotal verse in this whole thing. This is the why. This explains the why. Why he watches over us so attentively. For the rest of this chapter, this verse frames for us the comfort and even the celebration that we can have through difficult seasons because of Jesus. You know, throughout biblical history, people of God have had trouble staying on the path of righteousness. Got any volunteers? You know, I mean, just look in the Old Testament. He parts the Red Sea. They walk across on dry land. Yay, everybody goes yay. And then shortly after that, you know, they're worshiping a golden calf that that they made. And they're hungry, they're starving, so he gives them manna from heaven that comes down every morning, and they're like, yay, we have bread to eat. And before long... There was one translation that said some of the ladies started asking if there was a pumpkin spice manna that they could have because they were tired of the manna that they had. I think I made that part up. It makes you want to say, what was wrong with those people? But then I think about us. What's wrong with you people? What's wrong with me people? Well, I answered my own question, right? We're people. We are incapable of, of having a good, solid, moral life of righteousness on our own. That's why he is leading us to paths of his righteousness. Yes. The good news about Psalm 23 and John 10 is that he leads us past just good morals. You know, the Pharisees had living by the rules down, but they weren't living by the heart. I'm reminded of my son. I was determined when he got adolescent age that if he was the last Gentleman on earth. He was going to be chivalrous and be a gentleman. So I would make him open the door for his sisters when we were going into a restaurant or something, and he would go <sighs> stomp over to it, you know, and just, uh, just, well, he was doing, he was obeying, but his heart was not in it, you know, and then they would kind of say, well, thank you, sir. They would make it even worse, you know, <laughs> or if you have your kids and you, you know, you're, you're refereeing a fight and you say, okay, Tell your brother you're sorry. What do they say? Sorry. Their heart's not in that. So he's not asking us to be obedient in our own power. We are obedient because it is his righteousness that we are obedient through. John 10, 11 through 15. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, One who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He wants to give us a transformation of our heart, not just rooted in living by the rules, but a joy that is coming from him through us, not just like the Pharisees. It's not because of my goodness, then, that I can live in righteousness. It is because of God's goodness. It's because of his glory, not my glory. It is because of his power and not our power. So you can have that strength today. We're all striving for sanctification, right? We, we want to do better and better and mature in Christ. But when I falter in my faith, he's still faithful. Yes, yes. And when I'm weak, he's still strong. Yes. When I'm frail, he's still powerful. It is for God's sake, he says, for his name's sake. And that becomes an anchor. I mean, let's just think about that. It is for his sake. He leads us down paths of righteousness. That's our stability. Verse 4, the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, I've thought about this one, but I believe I got new insight along the way here. Um, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm in the valley, and, you know, the, the, the rod and the staff, we talked about a loving God, but he warned us in John 16, 33. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you are going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And here's David. He says, even though those things come, I've lived long enough that, however... This could mean whatever to your life. It could be an illness. It could be a brush with death. It could be great loss, calamity, grief. Any dark season of life, God is with us. Those times are going to come. And I I have to confess to you, even recently as I was preparing this message, the enemy has just come after me in ways that, that just like David, I have had times that I've said, where are you in this, God? how are you going to get glory out of this? And I've understood that that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and he is with us, we still have concerns. We still get hurt. People do us wrong. We still have to live this life. And this takes us back to John 10, 11 through 15. If we are listening to God's voice, he will lead us through that valley. But if we're listening to other voices, they are like the hireling that he talked about. You know, they, they hire someone to come and watch the sheep while they go away, and then a wolf or a lion or something comes, what does the hireling do? He's gone because he does not he doesn't have an investment in it. And if you're listening to a voice other than God's, you will only get death and sorrow and pain. I'm sorry. The good shepherd will not leave you, but everything else will. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod was used for protection. It was used as a weapon of protection. And then the staff with, had the little hook, like the, the vaudeville thing, where they drag you off the stage. <laughs> not that I've ever been dragged off a stage before but yet. Uh, it is used to direct the sheep. You know, they can just kind of get over this way, or if they fall down into a little bit of a ravine, they just kind of hook them and pull them up, you know. So the rod was designed for protection, and the staff was designed for direction, correction. Verse 5, the table. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runneth over Now we're going from the darkness unto the new season where God says, yes, we made it through that valley. And now you are in a new place. And I have prepared not just some bread and water for you, but I have prepared a feast for you. And in these times, if you know the Jewish celebration, they would last for days. And they were feasts made up of the finest food and drink that they had. And all of this is rooted back in verse 3. Because this feast is not private or secretive. It's not in fear. I've never understood that one. I've just had to think, okay, God, why wouldn't you get us through that valley and into safety, and then we have a banquet? But God says, no, in the middle of your enemy, in the presence of your enemy, I'm going to give you a feast. And this came to me this week. It's not only for us in the presence of our enemy, to have confidence that the devil can't get us. He's saying it to the enemy, too. He's telling the enemy, hey, these are mine. I love them so much. I have thrown a huge feast for them. They are mine, and you need to stay away from them. He's letting our foes as well as us know that we are his. And then he anoints our head with oil. This practice was especially given to the guest of honor, and it speaks to being a prized relationship with the king. I'm out of time, but I I think on that one of the, the, the father of the prodigal. You know, if that had been me, I've got to be honest with you, I would have run out to meet him, but I would have said, okay, son, here, let's, let's get in the house, get you cleaned up. We're going get to a, get a plan here. We're going to just kind of release this a little at a time here and, and you know, damage control kind of thing. But the father... Tim, he was passionate. He said, my boy's home. Let's, let's plan just the biggest party ever. And he restored him in every possible way because that's the extravagant love that he has for us. Lastly, I want to look at verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. dwell. This beautiful verse, it seems like to me that uh, all scripture points to this verse. If we boil down Genesis to Revelation, 66 books, and we try to distill it down to the primary message of God's word, I believe those three words could be God with us. You know, in Genesis 3, we have the great failure of Adam and Eve. But in Genesis 1 and 2, he communed with them. That's the way God wants it to be. He wants to be intimately close to his created. God with us. In the Exodus, he delivered the people out of bondage and slavery. And even in, their, in the wilderness, he put his tabernacle smack dab in the middle. That's a biblical terminology there, theology. Smack dab. But he wanted to be in the middle Surrounded by his people. God with us. We're coming up on Christmas. The incarnation. Where Christ the Son dwells among us. Literally, Emmanuel. God with us. Then God with us. As Jesus ascends back into heaven. He sends the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to go back, but I'm going to send someone the spirit to indwell with you he wants to be with us god with us second corinthians 5 7 and the promise of jesus coming back to earth heaven and earth will be remade and we will dwell with him as it says in verse 6 throughout eternity david says surely goodness and mercy will follow me did you hear that i mean do you really hear that It's it's chasing after you, no matter how far you drift, no matter how away from God you get. And David got away from God many times. But mercy is chasing after him. God's goodness, mercy saves them from the rod. And God's goodness is the staff that leads us back into the path. As we close now, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you'll you'll go over into the sunroom area. There are constant voices that are calling out to us, wanting our attention and wanting us to follow them. Some of these voices are the enemy promising you happiness and wealth, excesses, but we know, as Jesus said, that these are only robbers and they will bring you the opposite things. But in verse 3, we discuss the path of righteousness, and it, it seems impossible for me to think I can live a righteous life on my own. But we don't have to because we have his righteousness, and we have the promise of dwelling with him forever. So bad circumstances are going to come, and we need to be in his presence and let him strengthen us, guide us, and lead us. How many will admit today that you may be in a valley of the shadow of death right now? Have you put your hopes in something else or someone else and they've failed you? I'm not a stranger to that kind of loss. I'm not immune to being betrayed by others. And have you trusted in things that that you know were not the true thing? Vices that soothe the pain or, or help you escape reality or just numb the feelings? None of that works, you know. Hear me, church. God wants to dwell with you in this life through the Holy Spirit and dwell with you throughout eternity. I don't understand why. This is the God of everything. He flung this entire world into existence. But he wants to be your shepherd. He wants to walk with you intimately. I think you have a choice today. Same words, but, but backwards. You can say, one day, one day I'll stop doing that. One day I'll come to church and repent. Or right, God may have given you something, a calling that you've been putting off. Yeah, one day I'll, I'll surrender to that. That's the first choice. The second is to say, day one. One day I will But take the hard and and obedient move of saying, this is day one for the rest of my life. If you will come, I'm going to ask Pastor J.D. if he'll come up to to close out the service for him. Jesus wants to be your shepherd. He will guide you, he will lead you, and he will be out front to guide every step of the way.
1: Let's just pray through this psalm. Um, you guys can put the scripture back up there if you'd like and um, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take this 23rd Psalm and turn it into our prayer for our benediction here in this moment and don't let it just be David's words and don't let it just be my words but you pray this to the Lord you may repeat this quietly to yourself or you may pray even other things using your own vocabulary or whatever to the Lord. Let's, let's pray this to the Lord. Say, God, I just thank you that you're our shepherd. I thank you that you provide for us everything that we need. Lord, I thank you that you make us, whether it be in, in the physical realm whether it be in our work, in our homes, God, or just somewhere in our souls, that you you want us to rest in green meadows, God. That you lead us beside peaceful streams, God. Lord, I I don't want to just know in theory what peaceful streams are, God. I want to really have you lead me there. So God, help me be a good follower of you. Lord, we thank you that you're the one that renews our strength, God. We that I never have to worry that you're not leading us, that you're not leading me, God, along the right paths. You are always leading us along the right path, God. And and God, you do it, Lord. We know that that you love us and that you created us, but God, as we're, as you're leading us along these right paths. It brings honor to your name, God. And that's what we desire, Lord. God, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to put myself on a pedestal. I'm a terrible idol. But God, I want to live to bring honor to your name. For your name's sake. And God, even in those moments when I walk through the darkest valleys, I thank you that I don't have to be afraid. That you are close beside me. God, I thank you for your rod and your staff. They protect me. They comfort me. Lord, I thank you that you are preparing something for me, God. You're preparing a feast for me. Even in the middle of situations where in the presence of my enemies, God, where it looks all around me like there's attack, where there's worry, where there's cause for chaos, where there's cause for concern. God, I thank you that you're not worried. I thank you that you're not the God of chaos. God, I thank you that you're not concerned, but instead you're preparing a feast for me in the middle of those kinds of scenarios and situations. God, I thank you that you honor me by anointing my head with your oil. God, anoint us with your spirit, the oil of your spirit. God, may we be drenched With the oil of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you that our cup overflows with blessings. God, things that are so much so that we can't even contain it, God. Things that are tangible, but things that are intangible. And Lord Jesus, we just say, you are enough blessing. If we don't get any other blessing just besides you, Jesus, our cup still overflows. Lord, thank you that your goodness and your unfailing love is in pursuit of me. All the days of my life, God, even in those days where I'm walking through those, through those valleys, even in those days where I'm seated at a table and there's enemies all around me, God, I still thank you that your goodness and your unfailing love pursues me every single day of my life and that I declare that I will make the choice to live in the house of the Lord forever. I will make the choice to be in the presence of God forever in the name of Jesus. And if you agree with that, say amen. 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 Uh, If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever today, don't leave here without it. Come meet with one of my friends on the prayer team over here in the sunroom. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace now and throughout all the ages. And the people of God said amen go in peace and empower to love and serve the Lord.